Chapter 10 Now Peter Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 This is the masterstroke of the great artist in painting the picture of this child-hearted, wayward, generous, loving man whom we know as Peter. It is one of the shadows in the picture, but the shadows help us to more fully appreciate the light. It is a single sentence, yet we find in it the secret of a soul's downfall, the cause of the heartache of the Son of God, and a note of warning for God's people everywhere. Peter was in a dangerous position. First of all, he was in a dangerous position because he sat in the presence of the enemy. In the first psalm, the warning is given that we should not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Psalm 1, verse 1. And this last is the most dangerous position of all. Poor Peter was sitting down. He is also to be pitied because he was sitting outside. There is a circle within which every child of God must remain if he wants to have both peace and power. If in imagination we take a compass in our hand and set one point at the place where we would have the center and with the other point describe the circle, we have the picture of the Christian life. The center of the circle is Christ, and the circle itself is described by prayer and Bible study and fellowship with the saints. To keep within this circle is to keep in touch with Christ. To sit outside is to be in danger, and poor Peter had stepped outside. With all my heart, I love to study Peter. The sermon that has been greatly blessed to the people throughout the country is the one that bears the title, And Peter. This one is sent forth so that it may be a companion to that sermon and carry the name of Now Peter. I like him for his service. The first service that I can find that Peter ever rendered unto Christ is recorded in Luke chapter 5, verse 3. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. I have an idea that just the way he pushed the boat out as the master was standing in it made Jesus understand that there was something in him that would yet go far toward moving the world. Is it not true that much of the great work that we find about us today begins in just such a humble manner as the work of Peter did? I like to study him in his writings. Some parts of the Bible should always be read in the sunlight. The beautiful story of Ruth and the letter to the Philippians are examples of this. Others are for the darkness. Peter's epistles would head this list. It is when we stand on the seashore at night that we see the phosphorescence of the waves. It is when we stand in the darkness and read Peter's precious words that we catch the best vision of the light that comes down from heaven and rests upon men. I like to study him in his preaching, for it is just the kind that everybody should be able to do. You may say that his mighty sermon at Pentecost was simply a string of texts, but if you would say this was all that he said, we could reply, as we have said in another place, that it is all that Peter said that the Holy Spirit thought was worth recording. 
I like him for his sincerity. You can read him with one quick look. He could not be a hypocrite. When he tried that once, no one would believe him. He generally thought aloud. While people sometimes admired him, frequently laughed at him, and generally criticized him, they always loved him. I like him for his promptness. He was the first to enter the tomb so that he could see where the Lord lay. I like him for his courage. He was not afraid to stand in the very midst of the enemies of Christ. I like him for his intensity. It is true that he made mistakes, but the pendulum swung as far toward uprightness as it did toward failure. Roman numeral 1 My text is to be read in connection with his denial, and thus we begin to appreciate the story even more. Christ had given him a warning when he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And again when he said, The rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. Luke chapter 22, verse 34. He warns us also. The oak that goes down in the midst of the storm does so because throughout the long years, its heart has been eaten away by the worm. The soul of the child of God is never overthrown suddenly, and if it goes down, it is because it has steadily lost ground in matters that were considered too inconsequential to cause alarm. If you would fail tomorrow, you will undoubtedly find the cause if you look back on the history of today. The neglected Bible of today, the neglected prayer of today, and the neglected fellowship of today means the denial of tomorrow. It is not to be forgotten that there were three denials. When Jesus was taken into the presence of those who were to condemn him, Peter followed and wanted to go in too. It is said in John's Gospel that another disciple, who was known unto the high priest, had gone in with Jesus, John chapter 18, verse 15, and of course this must have been John. They undoubtedly knew him at the door, and he passed through without question. When he saw that Peter was not in, he went to the door and secured his admission. I can just imagine how Peter must have walked up and down the court, now sitting, now standing, now trembling for his safety, for in those days just as today, conscience does make cowards of us all. The first denial was at the wicket gate. To the little girl that admitted him to the court, he said, I do not know him, Luke chapter 22, verse 57. He could have taken warning and gone back if he had only remembered the words of Christ, for he was just at the edge of the circle. One side meant peace, and the other side meant despair. I do not doubt that someone reading these words has just passed through the wicket gate, turning away from a life of blessedness, and possibly has denied his master for the first time. From the heart of the infinite Christ, a cry goes out to such a person, Turn back, turn back, why then will you die? Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11 The second denial was at the fire, when he sat with his enemies, and when he said with an oath, I do not know the man, Matthew chapter 26 verse 74. Sadly, many of us have gone through the wicket of denial and are today sitting with his enemies, 
hardly knowing how we reached the position. To all such people the cry of God comes, Come out from their midst and be separate. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17 The world has always been the enemy of the Son of God, and he who allows himself to be in touch with it in the least will deny his master before he is aware of it. The third denial was to the relative of Malchus, John chapter 18, verses 26-27, through 27, whose ear he had cut off in his supposed defense of his master. For this attack upon his fellow man he was undoubtedly answerable to the law, and possibly might have been tried and condemned if Jesus had not replaced the ear. The memory of Malchus stirred up all the terror imaginable in him, and before he knew it, the third denial was upon him. With repeated oaths and cursings he said, I do not know the man. Matthew chapter 26, verse 74. This is the denial that comes because of some unconfessed sin. It is unfortunate for the person who allows any sin to go without immediate confession. It will spring upon him someday like a tiger from the jungle and will overthrow him before he can have time to call for help. Sin always downgrades in its tendencies, and he who denies Christ at the wicket gate will before long deny him face to face. Roman numeral 2 This text is also to be used in connection with the sufferings of Jesus. It may be good to give a brief account of his trial. First of all, he appeared before Annas the high priest, an account of which we read in John chapter 18 verses 19 through 22. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? It was a terrible thing for this man to strike him in the face with an open hand, to strike him before whom the angels veiled their faces, to strike him to whom is sung, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Do you notice that when they struck him, he never shuddered? They could not hurt him with any such blows as these. However, when we read, Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, John chapter 18, verse 25, this is a blow that makes the Son of God shudder and his heart grow sick. The second part of the trial was his appearance before Caiaphas. Here, although false witnesses appeared against him, he was perfectly silent. Scripture But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Matthew chapter 26, verses 63 through 64. Then they spat in his face. Matthew chapter 26, verse 67. But he never saw them. His eyes were blinded to his insults. 
But Peter, in the presence of his enemies, was a blow at his very heart. They smote him until, if he had been only a man, he would have staggered in his weakness. But they might as well have struck a rock like Gibraltar and expected it to fall as to move him with their blows. However, when Peter stood in the presence of those who were against him, like one of them himself, it was a terrible blow at the Son of God. The third part of the trial was before the Sanhedrin. He was led out from the court where he had seen both Annas and Caiaphas, and he passed through an outer court to another room where the Sanhedrin was to meet. As he passed, possibly near enough to reach out his hand and touch his disciple, suddenly he heard Peter say, I do not know the man. Matthew chapter 26, verse 74. He could forget the spitting of his enemies, the blows of those who hated him, and the rods that had fallen upon him in the hands of the angry multitude, but he could not forget Peter. That which hurts him the most in these days is not the sin of the unconverted, for he expects this, but he is most hurt by the sins of his own people for whom he suffered, died, and rose again. There is an infinite amount of heartbreak in the words, the Lord turned and looked at Peter, Luke chapter 22, verse 61. No word of reproach fell from his lips, but simply an expression of sorrow was to be seen. Does he not look upon you today, and does he not awaken memories in your life, vows that you have broken, and pledges that you have never kept? Jesus, let thy pitying eye call back a wandering sheep. False to thee like Peter, I would fain like Peter weep. Roman numeral 3. Do not be discouraged. Man's usefulness frequently springs from his recovery from some sin. Out of Peter's fall came his first epistle. The best glimpse I have of the Savior's heart is that which comes when I think of his personal dealings with individuals. When I think of the God of Abraham, I think of one who strengthens his child under trial. The God of Jacob is my encouragement to believe that my old nature may be conquered and that my name may be changed from Jacob to Israel, the Prince of God. The God of Elijah teaches me that prayer must be answered. The Savior of Thomas encourages me while in doubt. The Savior of Paul sustains me in my suffering. The Savior of Peter is the restorer of the repentant. Peter and Jesus met after the resurrection on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias, John chapter 21. It is most significant that when he denied Christ, it was in the presence of the fire of coals in the court of the enemy. When the Son of God met him on the shore of this lake, there was a fire of coals burning there. I do not doubt that the entire story of his denial came rushing upon him. We will not know what was said in that interview until we hear it from Peter's own lips, but it is safe to say that all his sins were forgiven and even the marks of his denial were taken away. If you have denied this same Lord in your business, in your home, or in society, He waits to forgive and to forget, and He is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8.